welcome to James Bond and Friends. James Bond is on assignment, probably looking for a job. So I'm your standing host, James Page from MI6HQ.com and the magazine MI6 Confidential. And we're doing a news roundup because we haven't got together and talked for a while. So I'm delighted to be joined by David Lee and Bill Koenig. Would you like to introduce yourself, guys? This is David Lee here. I run the James Bond Dossier website and I am also author of the complete guide to the drinks of James Bond. And I'm Bill Koenig. I'm webmaster of the Spy Command uh, uh, blog. Which is pretty quiet right now, right? Uh, you know, m- except for obituaries and right. uh, other, <laughs> other news. Uh, so um, news was really thin on the ground until like this week. And then we had a whole bunch of official stuff come through um, and some other rumors in the press. Yeah, um, they, all that news went out after I sent my bloody newsletter out. <laughs> they did this on purpose i'm pretty sure yeah it was nice to see ifp go first and eon second for a change Mm -hmm. usually it's the other way around that you know the literary news gets tagged on the back of a film announcement film franchise announcement um but let's cover the thing that everybody probably wants to hear about first even though there's probably not much to talk about um bond 26 well um interestingly um there, well, first of all, there's been nothing officially announced at all, but uh, Christopher Nolan has kind of shown up again, kind of, sort of. Um, earlier this summer, there was one podcast where a guy who had no, who did not even pretend to have any inside knowledge simply said, you know, Nolan's got Oppenheimer out of the way and you know, if he really wants to do a Bond movie, now's a good time. He's in his early 50s, and if he's going to do it, now's the time. And that stirred some conversation. Then there was another podcast that actually interviewed Nolan. He's mostly talking about Oppenheimer, but then the question comes up about Bond 27. And in effect, this is a rough paraphrase. Yeah, sure, but only if I get to run it. That's a very rough paraphrase I want to emphasize. And uh, But that caused even more of a stir in the in the fandom bond fandom and thing is this has come up with both specter and no time to die so why not again so i'm curious what you guys think well um i'm not much of a a nolan fan so i'm gonna go out straight out and say i really hope christopher nolan doesn't direct bond 26 um i yeah, I, I remember the comment about him wanting to control everything, and I, I really think that that would be a sticking point for Eon. Uh, I think probably they, you know, they they, they let their directors, um, they, they give their directors a bit more creative uh, uh, freedom than many people think uh, a lot of the time. But I, I think if they are going to take a back seat and let him uh, take care of everything, then there's not a chance in hell that it will happen. Well, I remember going back to uh, um, Spectre that, you know, when this came up and I did a post, it was kind of like, whoa, whoa, time out. Because, you know, with Christopher Nolan, you don't just hire him. You hire Emma Thomas, right. his wife and producing partner. You bring in Sin Copy, his production company. Right. And there's some other hangers on. I'm sorry, that's, that's a, I shouldn't phrase it that way. There are other associates. <laughs> He's got his core team that he brings to every production. Right. Including and a all, bad sound editing. Right. Oh, and also, yeah, don't. <laughs> And and also, I feel like we've already gotten Nolan Light with both Skyfall and Spectre, because uh, before Skyfall was released, um, you know, the director, you know, Sam Mendes, acknowledged there was in you know Nolan influence in that movie, and then with Spectre, you had a couple of uh, guys who've worked on Nolan films, the director of photography and the film editor. So I kind of feel like. And and also Nolan films are kind of dark anyway, so I mean I think personally I you know Calvin Dyson had the phrase you know some Bond movies are dark chocolate and some are light chocolate and like yeah, you know, the, uh, the Craig yeah. the Craig era was definitely dark chocolate I think we're due for a little light chocolate uh, and I'm not sure that Nolan is the one to deliver it. Well, there's rumors going around yesterday as we record this on Friday the eighth. September that um, latest scuttlebutt 
is that Nolan's in negotiations with Broccoli to do two and that he would also be writing them. Now, if you were to just make things up, I mean, that sounds pretty reasonably, you know, that's what Nolan would probably ask to do anyway. Um, Definitely the writing part of it, right? Um, Yeah. But fandom critics and producers, I think, probably have different views about Skyfall and Spectre and the Sam Mendes doubleheader. My personal belief is that I think Broccoli probably wants more of that. You more may be right. Um, and that's why uh, Nolan's very attractive, even though it does mean ceding control of a lot of things that they normally hold on to. Right. Well, we we can get into this more later, but you know, it, it, it's just that I think I saw the same story you're referring to. And one thing in that story that kind of set a... Uh, alarm bell for me it said in reserve or danny boyle and i forget who else it's like danny Boyle, like what do you danny guys boyle, danny, danny denise villeneuve paul greengrass yeah Matthew yeah, yeah yeah particularly danny boyle and paul greengrass like whoa 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 this right. this doesn't sound this doesn't ring true to me no um, i would have thought villeneuve would have been up there as i mean that's sensible but the other two i agree with you but again this is just People saying right. what they've heard on the grapevine from people who probably don't know what they're talking about. No, I understand. Um, and and Villeneuve has said he likes James Bond movies, and he even said he kind of t- sort of talked about it for uh, Bond Twenty Five, No Time to Die, but he was already committed to Dune, yeah, so he couldn't right. do it. And but you know, but again, he's now has done Dune Two, which is in the pipeline. So you know. I could believe Denny Villeneuve as a as a backup to Nolan, but the other two I just don't. Particularly Greengrass, even more so than Danny Boyle, believe it or not. Because well, I mean, of Matthew course, Vaughan is Matthew Vaughan's also on the really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But with Greengrass in particular, he of course did the Bourne movies and you know, um Matt Damon, the star of those movies, you know, pees on James Bond, you know, just give him the chance and he'll talk about how awful James Bond is. So I, I, I can't believe Greengrass is even in the conversation. But Right. But the reason we're talking about directors is because, contrary to every tabloid and bookmaker in the world that will tell you otherwise, uh, director comes first, casting James Bond second, right? Yeah, um, God, I've banged on about this so many times right. and nobody bloody well listens to me. <laughs> Every time I do a video, I think I, I say the same thing. And people still email me and say, oh, have you heard that about so-and-so rumor f- about the next Bond actor? I hope it's not going to happen. Well, just listen to what, what, what I say. Director first, then you can yeah. worry about the Bond actor. Yeah. Well, and of course, a, a segment of the fandom always brings up Martin Campbell. He did a great job. And I would agree he did do a great job. But in both cases, he was involved in casting the Bond. Yeah. You know, he, yep. he directed the first film by each respective Bond actor. And, you know, he doesn't, apparently, he doesn't like to continue on. He wants to move on to other things. But uh, but he's also in his 80s now. So yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. He's 81 or something. Campbell's active. I mean, he's just wrapped a movie with Eva Green shot in, I think, the Czech Republic recently. Yeah, yeah like, He's but still then, working. Yeah, but there's directing a movie and there's directing a bomb movie, isn't there? Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's you need a whole different uh, level of, of energy to do that. And an 80-year-old, uh, you know, it, I, I don't I – don't, care how fit he is as an 80 year old and an 80 year old doesn't have as much energy as a 60 year old so um well also just over the years i've had the occasional conversation as it relates to nolan and i bring up about you know again what i mentioned before about you know you bring in his wife you bring his production company etc etc and then the inevitable response among some of the people i talk with well he loves bond so much of course he'll give it up no he won't give it up you know once you've achieved a level of of reward you don't just give it up. Like I love James Bond, so I'll give up sin copy. I'll give up my wife. I'll do all this. Like no, it's like if he if you go with Christopher Nolan, you're going more or less for the whole package. I suppose you can, you know, negotiate on the side if you're Eon, you know, but you're basically getting Christopher Nolan and all that entails. 
and maybe Barbara Broccoli really wants to bring him in, but you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm skeptical that she would want to give up that much control and power. I, I I I don't I don't think she would, but on on the flip side, uh, maybe she would be looking for a partner because um, Michael G. Wilson, he right. is how old is he now? Eighty. He's eighty-one. 80, he's eighty-one. He's uh, eighty-one. He, and 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 has reportedly had some health issues in the he's, last he's, decade. He's, yeah. he's, he's had an open heart surgery. Uh, he, he, he's been complaining about um, being tired from the Bond films for well since, since nineteen ninety-seven. Okay, since so you know after after, uh, after Tomorrow Never Dies came uh, out was the first time I saw a quote from him. Oh, I'm so tired. Yeah. And he did it again after after <laughs> the world so, is not enough, yeah. and then etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It's like it, it, it's like. Michael, maybe you retire. You're, you you can retire. You're rich yeah. enough. Yeah, no, absolutely. He, he he's bigger on photography. So if he just wants to go somewhere and take photographs, then I think that is a, a perfectly acceptable thing for him to do at this stage in his life. Yeah, there was also Barbara's speech at uh, very quick speech at the No Time to Die premiere when she thanked you know, him as being a producing partner over the years. And it was kind of, and, uh, and the, um, G, Michael G. Wilson got a, a round of applause. And it was, I think that was seen as a, thanks very much. I'm done. Certainly mm. some fans saw it that way. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I heard that. I mean, again, strictly talking with fans. Um, so yeah, it's a good point about having a producing partner in the director. Um, and in terms of giving things up, they make Craig a co-producer and give him all sorts of creative controls. Yeah. Um, yeah. With it, and the thing I do believe is that if they're willing to bring Nolan on, he would write it. There's yeah. no way that they're going to have anybody else write it. Nolan's going to write his own film. Um, with Interstellar, Nolan's film from 2014, the the script was originally written by his own brother, and then but then he jumped in and rewrote everything. So and they and the two brothers shared the credit. But yeah, that's how Nolan is. Like. Mm. He either writes it from the start or he rewrites what has already begun. Um, yeah. And I did a post after I saw um, Oppenheimer, I did a post. So what would a pure Bond movie by Nolan be like? Well, and I, and this was strictly a speculative piece, but you know, but it would probably like n- not have a pre-title sequence because Nolan films typically they start with an interesting image and then you go right into the movie and you don't have any titles to the end. And the titles at the end are like pretty plain. They're like white letters on a black background. I mean, that was the case with the three Batman movies. It was the case with interstellar. It was the case, you know, with Oppenheimer and, you know, other things. I mean, a pure, Nolan film might be a lot different than what Bond fans can, are used to. Can can I? I'm going to throw a conspiracy theory out now, right? Which is maybe they haven't thought this far ahead. Maybe I just think about these things too much. But James Bond is going public domain in ten years' time, right, or eleven years' time. Eons own Dan Jack's only way of protecting those movies in uh, from other people making a quote unquote James Bond film, and they've already. They've already tried. They've already made. There's been certain court things over the recent years that kind of point these things out. They say the gun barrel, right, wasn't in the books, so that's ours, and you can't use it. The music, the pre-titles credit, the idea of a pre-titles credit sequence, the idea of the animated credits over the song. These are all elements that identify a James Bond film as a James Bond film, right? I think going in knowing that anybody, Tom, Dick, and Harry, can make a James Bond movie in 2024, 2034, they're gonna want to stick to that IP. To brand, you know, to keep that brand strong because that's how they're going to protect other people making knockoffs, legal claims that there's intellectual property that's unique to their world well, franchise. Well, and, so and- dropping a pre-title sequence, not having the credits, not having the gun barrel, I just, <clears throat> I can't see them, I can't see them deviating into a standard quote-unquote film format when that's the only thing they're going to have to hang their hat on in ten years' time. Well, you know, again, uh, going forty years ago. Never say never again. You know, you didn't have a gun barrel. You didn't have the James Bond thing. Oh, because they couldn't. Right, exactly. That's what I mean. And and so that's a sort of sample of what 
that's that's our main example of what you could do without the eon tropes of gun barrel yeah but my point is uh, eon's going to double could double down on all those things because they're going right. to have to because that's yeah, exactly the, they stopped austin powers using the gun barrel right you know like um, and that's a spoof which is protected under u.s law that they could have done it anyway um, well, and, so and I, one of the know. Pink Panther movies, they filmed Peter Sellers doing yes. Gun Barrel, and, yes, and, and and released by the same studio, United Artists. Well, that's um, maybe but, how they got away with it. <laughs> right. But that, but that didn't appear in the movie, in the Pink Panther movie involved. Um, that was from 76, which there was a lot of Bond parody in that movie, that particular movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so well, you might say, uh, you know, anybody listening might be like, oh, 10 years, that's a long way away. Well, let's think about this. It's going to be at least two years before, at the earliest, before we see another movie anyway. And if it's a two film deal, that puts the second film out around 2028, 2029, right around the corner is public domain. Like right, yeah. The, at third the, current film, rate of- the, thir- the third film of the next actor is going to probably hit public domain at that, at, at- as in, at, at that time, at that time. At the current rate of production, you've got two movies before right. it goes into public domain. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. So, David, your motto of director first, I think that's the overriding conclusion. Yeah, absolutely. All of this. Yeah. Well, and, and again, going back in, you know, further back in history, I, Terrence Young was on the payroll, I believe, before Connery was cast. Um, Guy Hamilton was on the payroll before Roger Moore was cast. Um, John Glenn was the director, the house director who screen tested everybody before Dalton was cast, right? So, yeah, the director's always been there. Yeah, it's part of the decision making. Yeah, and there's there's one one very important thing about predicting the future. Uh, just look at what's happened before. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And also with John Glenn, he also, I mean, he also screen tested Pierce Brosnan. When he was cast and then was uncast because of NBC, and then he yeah. then he tests Dalton, well, so he did two in a short amount of time. Going to have a story out on the website in the next week or two of um, nine. Let's just say nineteen eighty six might not be the first time that Brosnan was talking about the role. We got a very interesting story coming out. Oh, that. okay. Oh, oh yeah, we'll look forward um, to it. So moving on to probably. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if this tickles you guys or not. Um, out of nowhere this week, we had... Oh, there's a new video game coming out, James Bond, called yeah. Cypher 007. Some people have pointed out that why isn't the gun on the end of the 7 on the logo, which is... Uh, I don't know if there's any reason for that, or if it's just a typography thing. Um, but anyway, kids know. Aimed at kids, maybe, yeah, don't have the gun on it. Apple, Who knows what the T's and C's of Apple Arcade are, right? So... Yeah. Um, brand guidelines and whatnot. So it's going to be Apple Arcade subscription only. If you're not on Apple, you can't play it and you can't own it because it's just part of the subscription, which I mm-hmm. think has put a lot of people's backs up. Um, but the studio is making it pretty reputable. They do good games for well-known brands and mm-hmm. IP. So it's not it's not going to be like the uh, the PowerPoint point and click card game thing that was awful a few years ago on yeah, iOS. Yeah, what was that called? James Bond International World of Stock Art or something. <laughs> I, I downloaded it the day it came out. I couldn't believe it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I could have written that. <laughs> well, and, and also, wasn't this new game promoted on the Eon 007 social media Yes, it's accounts? how it dropped. It's how it dropped. Yeah. Um, and it's so, out this month. It's out in a few weeks, yeah. which is yeah. also nice that we don't have this, like, well, maybe soon uh, kind of... Um, dangle yeah um, but, but yeah, I, I i found it quite curious that there had been no announcement about it before unless right. uh because there's the there's the other uh gaming house that are, are producing something isn't there yeah there's yes. io interactive io interactive which are well known for the hitman franchise and they've been I, working on project 007 for a couple of years now and everyone's like oh it'll be out any minute now no no a triple a game with a brand new franchise new engine and well, a new platform because they're on the latest Xbox and PlayStation. It's going to not be for another year or two yet. And still, I, as so. far as a few months ago, they were still hiring for, yes. for games. So yeah. it's it's uh, it's not going to happen soon. No. Well, and also in terms of long teases, you have that reality show on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. that was they were promoting like a year ago, which I guess is finally going to be out 
by the November. end of this year. And again, and I guess they're just saying, oh yeah, we're gonna have a second season. So here, yep. here's where to contact us if you uh, want to try and <laughs> be in season two. But right. it's like, great. But okay, we still haven't seen season one yet. Not right. that I'm going to be rushing out to watch it, but uh, <laughs> you know. so going back to the um, the Cipher Double O Seven game, the thing that interested me were two things. One is um, the art style because they're doing an illustrative art style, which I think is a really interesting way of getting around paying anybody for their likenesses. Mm. Um, but the other thing is, I think they were kind of forced into it because they're blending elements from all sorts of eras. So there's like Little Nelly from You Only Live Twice, but Silver is in it along with Blofeld. And Money Penny looks suspiciously like Naomi Harris, right? So they're kind of like just mixed up all of the timelines, which I think you know why not, right? It's a game; you can do what you want. Well, it's a, it's a bit like putting Daniel Craig in the in the GoldenEye uh, re-release. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of that too. Yeah. Um, well, and and you run into this sometimes with comic book adaptations where they've got to be careful not to draw the character too much like a, a, a specific actor because you have to pay the actor. So it's like, you know, you get generic bond or generic other characters in these comic book adaptations. Um, yeah. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like the quandary IFP were in for years, which was, they couldn't have, unless it was a movie tie in, they couldn't have a visual representation of James Bond on any book cover for years. Right. Until I think, was it Carte Blanche or Solo where they had the alternate cover artwork that actually had the face of Bond in, uh, standing up on it? Whereas before you always saw him from the back if they illustrated him. And that will change with the Faye Dalton um, illustrations for the beautiful books that Folio do, where the, you know, the literary Bond has, a, has his own look now. Um, but it's interesting that every time I look at the screenshots and the trailer and stuff for the, the game, it looks like there isn't, it's very bland and generic and it, it's not Connery. It's not more, it's not Brosnan. It's some kind of just mushed up likeness. Amalgam. <laughs> Amalgam. That's a good word. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Bond, Bond to me looks like a cross between Roger Moore and Sean Connery. I think they, they've taken elements of, of both their faces. I don't see any other of the, the actors in there, but you know, right. maybe that was just that maybe they were just trying to create something very, very generic and I, I'm seeing something that's not there at all, but uh, yeah. But I remember when EA did their, you know, synthetic Bond, he did, I mean, I can in my mind's eye, I know what that looks like. That character looks like because they were very strong on the characterization, and it was uniform through all the game and the materials and the press and all that kind of stuff. But this one seems to just be so bland, <laughs> the likeness, uh, the appearance of him that it's hard to. Anyway, I just don't think it's consistent. But maybe when the game comes out, we'll in a couple of weeks we'll have a well, different feel for it. I, I won't well, be. I won't be playing it because I don't have a current Apple device, so. Uh, well, but regardless, at least it's some piece, tiny, yeah. perhaps tiny piece of concrete news when we've been going without anything, without much, put it that way. Yeah, I hope it's successful because I think more official projects that aren't four and five year gaps between movies would be great. Um, and other than home media releases, which we'll get onto in a bit, gaming's pretty much the only outlet that the film franchise has got that's not a film. Right, right now. Yeah, plus, plus, uh, like the original Gold Knight, can actually, um, it can actually introduce uh, young gamers to the Bond franchise as well. Right, and that, that, I think that's quite important. Oh, I agree. Yes. I, I mean, uh, I did a piece on the blog here in the last month about Bond film, Bond cinematic Bond's biggest enemy right now is demographics and. Uh, they need to do something to reach out to younger people and how you go about that gaming is certainly a, a possibility as, as David cited, you know, the, the golden eye video game from the nineties. Yeah. Achieved that. Oh, it did. It absolutely did. And I think that's the IO interactive title whenever that comes out, because that's going to bring in huge swathe of new fans that are fans of the Hitman series. Cause they'll just, latch onto that new game because it's by the same developer right and um as long as it's of if it's of hitman quality that will be a massive title and mm -hmm. um a lot of new fans into the james bond franchise yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I, i'd like to point out i have never played goldeneye <gasps> 
Well, I haven't either, but I'm aware of its impact. Yeah. Well, I'm an old guy, so it doesn't matter. I'm not yeah. I'm not the audience they're seeking. Well, I, I'm not young either. Well, because you've never played it, then you won't have any reason to complain about the controls, which is uh, what all the new kids worry complain about because they used to call a duty call a duty. Mm-hmm. Um so moving on from from the game, we, it came just hours after IFP um, dropped the new cover artwork for Colonel Sun Zero Minus Ten and um, James Bond Authorized Biography, which is interesting that IFP now that they've taken back the publishing rights to their own books that they they're doing their own imprint, they're putting yeah. stuff out that's been out of print because yeah, maybe yeah. it wasn't economically viable for Penguin or Amazon or whoever else it was at the time to put out these niche titles. Mm-hmm. No, no. Yeah. I mean, essentially with, with um, having their setting up their own imprint, they, you know, they're, they're self-publishing. It's, yeah. uh, you know, it's uh, with, with my, with my drinks book, it's, it's, it's the same thing and that they're just doing it on a larger scale because, you know, publishing is, uh, accessible to to everybody now, and uh, right. oh, uh, well, I, I guess pretty much uh, your magazine is done the same way. We have our own imprint too. Absolutely, mm. you control distribution and uh-huh. uh, you keep the costs down, and that's the way to do I it. Mean, and you can also also do smaller print runs because, um, maybe I'm talking out of school, but mm. I believe that the first print runs of this, especially during the Benson era of the continuation novels for the UK were around 5,000 copies. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, not I don't know the numbers. exact numbers, but I think they were pretty small in the U S as well. I, I, yeah. I know just enough to be dangerous. So I don't want to quote specific right. figure, but I believe the, the, the print runs for all the Benson books were very modest. Yeah. I mean, and, that got blown out of the water with Young Bond and Hickson, right? I mean, they were be- they, they became mm. mass- massive print runs because of the audience that was built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a uh, different audience. Yes. So, you know, but it's... Uh, and obviously, uh, I think Sebastian Fawkes was 100K, 100,000, wasn't it? 100,000. Like I believe it, so. It, it could have been plus with, with uh, Fox, you know, IFP went really all in in terms yeah. of the publicity. Whereupon, with particularly with the Benson books, there wasn't much publicity at all, um, at least from the publishing side of it. Right. Um, you know, fan publications latched onto it, and, yeah. and Benson did a lot of interviews with the fan press, fan media. But uh, uh, yeah, but 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 like IFP didn't really. I guess well, it was gl- still called Glidrose then. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't really promote it very heavily at mm-hmm. all. Um, and all of this, and especially the new covers that they did for the US and the UK, all of this is the big ramp to big anniversary uh-huh. this year for Casino Rail, not the novel. So the birth of James Bond. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah. 70 years ago. Yes, that's right. And, uh, and also, secondarily, it was also, this gets cited a bit, 60th anniversary of uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, the novel. Yeah, which was kind of Fleming's last big epic uh, novel, mm. um, because you know it's funny thing about Fleming, he he very much changed things up. If you, you know, I mean, over three consecutive books, you had the Spy Who Loved Me, which was right. very much of an experimental novel. Then he comes back with this ma- massive epic of Majesties, and then you then he came back with uh, You Only Live Twice, which was a very interesting very unique book but you know it's very different from, from what came before i mean that that's just a commentary of mine about fleming yeah. you, you can never really you never knew what to expect with fleming he might he he often changed things up and uh sometimes he felt can, can you imagine for, if the internet had been around and social media had been around in fleming's day um, this especially is not when James the, Bond. Especially <laughs> when the Spy Who Loved Me came off, yeah. it would just—they'd be going nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there is a an event in London, well, at Pinewood. Um, Bond, you go to bondstars.com, you'll find out all the information about mm-hmm. it. There's going to be continuation of um, authors there. They're screening a very interesting interview with, with Barry Nelson that's been lost to to time, basically mm-hmm. about his. Uh, 
his Jimmy Bond, although he wasn't Jimmy Bond. We, we've mm-hmm. covered that in a previous episode. Um, Casino Royale 1954. So they, they've got a, a 70th anniversary um, event coming up, which uh, looks great. It's just interesting that Casino Royale is 70 years old now. It's, yeah, it's I, don't know, I don't know what a new reader who's maybe in their teens or early 20s would think of it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite dated. I, I think all, all the Bond books are quite dated now because of the the passage of time. It's it's yeah. a very very different world. It, it was written, you know, just uh, less than a decade after the the end of the Second World War, and so you know, uh, in the UK there was still rationing, for example. So yeah. you know, it's uh, the 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 experiences of somebody. Uh, living then uh, were very, very different to, to yeah. anybody um, who's coming to the books uh, fresh now. Uh, you know, mm. I, I, I still enjoy reading them where, when I, I do pick them up, but yeah. um, I, I don't need to be uh, converted to Bond. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering about, I just think about the accessibility to new readers now. Um, you know, literature, obviously, I mean, it survives the ages, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know if it's just in that awkward, awkward, moment where it's not old too far away that you know it's not victorian or uh, mm-hmm. dickens or anything but it's not modern enough for people to appreciate it's kind of yeah. in this weird no, I, 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 don't, I don't know i think that's a very good question yeah you know um so speaking of lost media thought came across my mind um this week uh-huh. we were all expecting a, a big box set <laughs> On the sixtieth anniversary, weren't we? It never really happened, um, and there's been recently quite a few moves in the home media segment. So, big studios are kind of dropping a lot of home releases for his, you know, for their library content. They're just sticking them on their own streaming services, right, and rotating the library there. Niche labels are putting out four K remasters of classic old movies. Um, but Bond's kind of in this weird, I think, stuck between the two worlds where they, they don't have their own streaming service except obviously Amazon Prime, but the movies have been, there's rights things with Sony and they're, they're kind of shopped around to different streaming services, right? Depending on what month of the year you're on. Um, I don't think there is much of an appetite at the moment to put a 4K Blu-ray box set out without hanging it on the new film, whenever that is. Um, Craig's out. I mean, how do you even market it? There's not an anniversary. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I think the only way of doing it really would be if they undid the grading done by Lowry and uh, right. um, and you know, because I, I, I think you know that there were some improvements uh, made by Lowry, but the, the grading, the, the grading wasn't one of them, and right. uh, so. But that that would admit making uh, that would mean admitting that they'd made a mistake in two thousand and six or five or whenever. They, yeah, those we were actually we actually know the reason why that went wrong, but we we can't talk about it yet. Um, well, but, also yeah. there's the, uh, the just the mechanics. Um, do you put out? Do you really put out a twenty five film box set? Right, I mean, that's pretty. Yeah, when when twenty. Uh, 20- Five years ago, almost now, when they put out uh, first put out DVD sets of the Bond films, they, mm. they put them out in sets of six, I think it was. But in the uh, US, it was sets of six, and then in the UK, they did them um, two every two weeks. Okay, or two every month, I think it was. The ultimate editions, yeah. So every month you had a couple new ones, or it was yeah. every two weeks. I can't remember. But yeah, they, the the UK and the US did it differently. But just looking at. Um, I'm not saying that this is kind of akin to a steelbook kind of uh, campaign, but there are other IPs out there that are doing 4K restorations, how it was meant to be seen kind of advertising, right? Um, Lawrence of Arabia was one that got announced, I think, last week where they're redoing it. Um, you could pop one out a month. Why not just do one a month, you know, um, rather than dumping all 25 in a sleeved box set? And make it more of an event, but I just don't know if the studio is interested in the revenue from that. I mean, it's a high cost thing to produce. Um, there isn't anything to tie it to. You can access these films on several streaming services anyway. Yeah. And is there the appetite? 
for people to buy. Yeah, because the, I the mean, general, I'm talking about the general public, not hardcore fans. Well, I think just, even with hardcore fans, because I mean, how many how many times have, have some of us paid for different formats of the Bond films? Right. And yeah. uh, and it, it, get, it gets to a point when you think, well, there's no point in upgrading. I think um, I'm probably among friends here by saying Laserdisc, VHS, Video CD. Remember those. Oh God! Uh, DVD yeah. and Blu-ray mm-hmm. um, for many of the movies, um, all five. Yeah, I, I. Anyway, so yeah, so I just wonder if there's any appetite from either Amazon Studios or from Dan Jack to put out a 4K set. <clears throat> Is there a market for it? And maybe, maybe the Blu-ray Bond sixty box set, which was a rehash of the other Blu-rays, is that might is that going to be the last physical release? Of of the series, I mean, oh. are we? Because I mean, Bill Gates famously said Blu-ray will be the last disc ever made, and mm-hmm. he might, and he got laughed at. <laughs> but I think he might have been right. Yeah, I, I, I I'm, I'm kind of split on this because I, I, I think being able to access stuff online is obviously a, a huge example, example, a, a huge. Uh, advantage but um with with music very often i i like to have cds because yeah. uh be, and you know i i'm old enough to uh remember buying records and cassettes you know before it became uh before it became uh, uh fashionable again to buy vinyls which uh, i read that 50 percent of vinyls don't actually ever get played they're just right. pose value but they're also the dominant f- uh, physical media format for music now Right, I didn't know that, but uh, you know, uh, CD CDs uh, still do the job, and you you get. I, I like to I like to uh, read all the all the bump you get with a, a CD right. and about you know the producer and the engineer, and you know if, if often they have lyrics inside and so on, mm-hmm. and yeah, you, you can go online, you can get the lyrics, but it's not it's not the same as as having this thing in your hands with. Um, a leaflet that uh, somebody has put some time and effort. You know, it's art as well, and right. uh, you know that's lost with streaming. And uh, I think that's a pity. So I, not all music, uh, but I, I, the, the music that I, I really love, I, I still like to own on CD. And so you know, I think that the same applies to to um, movies as well. You know, there's there. There's never been so much emphasis on on the packaging. Um, you know, sometimes you get booklets and so on. I I, I think I've got a a box set of Blade Runner. It's got, I think it's got five different versions of Blade Runner in it, mm-hmm. and so that's got you know, that's got a booklet and so on, which is quite interesting, I suppose. And uh, um, but you know, with a film, it's 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 about what's on screen, really. But mm-hmm. well, well, the the best hope for a future physical media release maybe the studios coming to the conclusion maybe we jumped into streaming too fast i mean netflix makes it work because they're worldwide and and the scope you know uh but you know disney plus has been a financial disaster and uh you know max you know seems to be max. kind of struggling as well max yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> And, then, like, and, the, and a lot of the streamers are pulling movies from their from mm-hmm. their catalogs now because well but to, they don't to save pay residuals. money yeah, yeah. and, and uh, so uh, you know if you're relying upon uh, a a streamer to to watch the films that you want to watch and they pull them then you're better off owning it in physical uh, format I suppose. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I just don't think the powers that be have any appetite to do a big disc release, which would be is a shame because the 4K transfers, the original 4K transfers, look beautiful. But by the time you stream them, yeah. um, you know it's compressed to hell, yeah, and it's yeah, not yeah. It's, yeah. it's not great. Well, well, I'd like to release a four 4K um, box set, but it's so tiring to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some photos to take. That's <laughs> it. My point is, the 4K master's already done because they were done for Apple back in uh, right. yeah. a couple of years ago. So, yeah. 
Um, what else is going on? We got the new um, title for um, Kim Shiver's new second book since we last talked came out. Oh, and uh, we well, he had Hickson's book, and Hickson's book has come yeah. out since we last yeah. talked, which has kind of like had a rebirth this week. Um, it was published in May, but it's like it's all over social media again and the news again because of like a very schlocky review done by a very conservative and the lower C guy who thinks that how dare Bond be updated to 2023. Mm-hmm. It should be Ian Fleming's uh, bigoted guy from 1950s walking around in 2023 and he was all angry about it and that got picked up by, of all places, the New York Times, um, which conservatives rail as a left-wing liberal media outlet. Um, yeah, what a nice and, bit of free publicity. And, and, and good, uh, good for Charlie Higson for pushing back on these idiots on Twitter and actually pointing out how um, how wrong they are. <laughs> so, well, well. Also, I mean, I did a post about this back in uh, back in May when when the book novella came out um, because I know some people I interact with on social media felt well, it was too political, and I pointed out that. In the Fleming original text, there's politics. Yes. The problem is it's, you know, between 60 and 70 years ago, so it may not be as obvious. But like, okay, in the Fleming worldview, uh, labor unions were apparently an annex or adjunct of the Soviet Union. Communist party. Yeah, yeah, we have that in uh, Casino Royale and from Russia with Love. Um, In, um, oh, in uh, the Man with the Golden Gun novel. Bond is talking to uh, Mary Goodnight. Mary Goodnight predicts, "Oh, Castro, he's not going to survive very long." Well, <laughs> well, he was. Well, that didn't turn out. How many presidents did he outlive? And and also in uh, "You Only Live Twice," you know, you have these long conversation scenes between Bond and Tiger Tanaka, yeah. which it gives a kind of peek into Fleming's worldview. You know, specifically, just, Bond says, "Oh, we gave up the colonies too quick, but we still do great things here in Britain." I, I just um, love the outrage on the two sides of the fifty pence piece in this case because it's the that's a plot point. Is one how dare IFP update the books to take out particularly racist language terms right from the books? And and then on the other hand, you've got like how dare you update the character for a modern audience. <laughs> a new book it's like would, what would you rather would you rather do hire a award-winning popular writer to do something completely out of step with today's readership and the world around him I and mean, of course you wouldn't do that uh, I, what, I, did I, they, what did they expect is my point what would they what did they honestly expect uh, you can't I, take a character from the 50s stick him in 2023 and have him walking around calling people the n-word I mean, you, you uh, can't do that uh, maybe uh, they would have been happy if he'd have done that but it would never have got printed because yeah, the when the when the book was first announced, and I I, I just I, I'm not I'm not even going to bother. And uh, but then I think it was you two said that actually it was okay. And I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I read it in two sittings. Yeah. So I, I okay. So I, I I bought it, and uh, I it was one of the books that I read this summer, and yeah, uh, I I did enjoy it. Yeah. It, it, Bond versus Nigel Farage. Yeah, and GB News. <laughs> well, and, and I suppose perhaps I'm not I'm not going to second guess Higson at this. Perhaps he could have been a bit more subtle instead of naming Le Pen by name. Right. Uh, he kind of danced around it, and you you would figure out who he was really talking about. But you just yeah, but Fleming don't. named people. I know. I'm I'm you know. just. I'm just. Oh, I'm, sorry, just I'm, not, suggest- I'm not accusing you. Of being yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrong. But I was saying these are the arguments that get trotted out right. by people who didn't like no. it. It was like no, you I clearly I- don't know what the hell you're talking about because this is not, nothing different. It's just, yeah, there, there weren't. And, and anyway, there aren't any rules. Who said there are rules? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I remember one of I'm, I'm almost referred to as a tweet. I guess I should refer to his post. One of Higson's posts on X was that you know, you know whatever's in the new stuff doesn't change the old stuff. You know, you can go back to the yeah. old stuff and, and read what you want. Yeah. Well, the, the, the thing is with the c- continuation novels, if you want to, ex- if you want to accept them, accept them. If you don't want to accept them, don't accept them. Just ignore them. Just right. don't get up- upset. What's the point? Right. Well, and, and I suppose with IFP making changes to the original Flemings, um, 
you know, with Live and Let Die, if they had just put out the American edition, you know, the one yep. that took out that chapter right. title and made other yep. changes, uh, um, that probably would have gotten by with less controversy. But then nobody would have blinked. Right. The, yeah. And it was also a matter of timing because you had that uh, kerfluffle um, with uh, Roa Dahl's books. Yeah. I they, mean, you know, like optics and timing, right? It was a bad, yeah, because yeah. it, it was like a week between the, the two, I think. Yeah. yeah, it was very, it, it very, was very close. Short amount yeah. of time. If not yeah. a fortnight, it was it was very, very close. Yeah, and also, I I would also say, uh, IFP said, "Oh, this is what Ian would have wanted." Well, you don't really know. We know Ian wanted the changes in the American edition of Live and Let Die because he signed off on them. Right. Um, if he didn't the want them, stuff, he at least accepted them. Right? Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> he wanted it. He wanted to be published in the U.S., so okay, that's what it takes. That's what it takes. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, I mean, Fleming always said that the reason he wrote was to make money, and uh, right. you know, yeah. uh, and I, I think to a large extent he was actually being truthful there. Yes, yes. Well, and, and in fact, I know anecdotally there are some Americans who were a little bit shocked about the original "Live and Let Die" language because they. All their copies were American editions. Right, they never got to see it. <laughs> <laughs> In their eyes, what? Yeah, that chapter yeah, yeah. title is what? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. The other thing that I was kind of reminded of was, I think, I don't know if he did, which year did. David Arnold gave an interview, and he talked about getting the job for Tomorrow Never Dies. Mm-hmm. And he said, basically, he threw the kitchen sink at it because you never know if you're ever going to get to do another one. Yeah. Yeah, and I you know don't what? know if that was kind of in the back of Charlie Higson's mind. It's like this is a one-off. Why not just do what I want to do because I might never get the opportunity again. In in '97, first you had the original soundtrack release, and then at least here in the states, because of the timing, um, it was you know the movies coming out at Christmas. They could not put the whole soundtrack right. out in time for the stores. So a year later, you have all this you know another album right. with all the music that was including the first soundtrack and they included an audio interview and yes he said he said the same thing there that like this is you know got to put it all in this is it and then and then he was i don't know surprised but then as they were like winding down the recording michael g wilson said make sure you're free in two years or something right. like that according to right. that audio interview so like just, oh, to, now just, what do i do just as a mindset just as a mindset, and anybody listen to this, if you were asked to come and do anything for the thing that you've really been a fan of, yeah, you would throw everything into that one time because you that might yeah, be your one you, shot. Yeah, because you don't want to blow it. You don't blow it. You don't, you don't want to leave something on the shelf and never get a chance to use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, right. absolutely. And, so I, uh, don't, I don't begrudge Higson for putting anything you wanted in there because, again, I mean, I, anybody would do the same thing. It's like this is your chance to do it the way you want to do it. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you hold anything back? There's there's another thing about the book which I think is very interesting is that uh, according to IFP, it was they only thought of the idea at the beginning of this year. Oh, it was a complete rush job. Yeah, which which in in a way uh, is the it it kind of um, fits in with how Ian Fleming used to write. You know, he used to do his his. <laughs> Six or eight weeks in in Goldeneye. Right. I mean, uh, to 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 get it all down on, on paper, and so uh, Charlie Higson was forced to operate under the same kind of. Well, uh, he was also only asked to do a short story, and he knocked out a novella, which I think is great that he mm. used the opportunity to expand it. But I'm also reminded I'm reminded of Jack White, who said, due to the time constraints, I knew I could get away with doing what I wanted because they ain't got time to change it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's and, right, and there was, and and that applies actually in this case as well because yes, the, exactly. the reason for the the uh, hurried up, it had to be out in time right. for the coronation. <laughs> exactly. So why not just put everything you want in it? Because they're not going to be like, well, we got it's too late now. I can't take that out. Right. <laughs> and 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 from Higson's standpoint, he has there are no guarantees he'll be hired back again. I hope you know. he will. Uh, right. Genuinely yeah. Hope yeah. He will. Uh, I hope. I hope they hire him back too. Yeah. But but at the very least, he's got to wait till uh, <laughs> we have this current Bond have Bond a, series. Well, yeah. I think the Kim Sherwood trilogy has to kind of wrap up before they start. 
pushing it. Exactly. But obviously, you don't wait for it to the third book to be printed before you start writing the getting the next author in. But um, yeah. And uh, you 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 refer to this as a novella. How many words is it? Do you know? About twenty thousand. Oh, is that all? I think so because I know it was originally supposed to be ten thousand, and then I I saw. I forget where I saw this. It was Higson describing the process. Went from short story. Now it's ten thousand words. Oh, and then he's working on it. Oh, and he went back to IFP. Oh, I got like twenty thousand. That okay? Yeah, right. that's okay. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's usually forty thousand, right? Ish for a Bond novel. Uh, um, well, because Casino Royale, I think, was about sixty thousand, wasn't it? Am I thinking of eighty thousand? Yeah, I, I, I think it's eighty thousand to a hundred thousand. But, because I remember Higgins specifically said, oh, he went back to IFP. Oh, I got this idea for a car chase. Uh, it's going to make it longer. Oh, that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> they were just, I mean, IFP apparently was like happy every update they were getting from Higgins. So. Here we go. You love Reddit, don't you? Casino Rail, 43,000. Living at Die, 53,000. Moonraker, 65. Diamonds, 58. From Russia, 77. Doctor No, 69. God. Anyway, I'll spare you the rest of the numbers. But basically, without the outlays like Spy Love Me, you're looking at about 60,000 words for a bottle. Okay. Yeah, yeah so 20,000 sounds about right for mm. uh, yeah. On His Majesty's Secret Service. Mm. Yeah. I don't know what Kim Sherwood's book came in there, but it felt like 100,000. <laughs> or more. Um. Um, what else we got coming up? Yes, this way we've just been through the 50th anniversary of Living That Die. Um, new, new issue of MI6 Confidential celebrates. Uh, um, well, uh, we have this uh auction at Sotheby's of some interesting uh Ian Fleming related act, you know, yes. books, first editions, yes. uncorrected proofs, Raymond Chandler's copies of two yeah. Bond novels. Uh, letters from uh, letter a letter from Harry Saltzman to uh, <laughs> to Kevin McClory, where he's saying, "Well, we're getting kind of tired here. We need you to decide pretty soon." Yeah, Kevin McClory ended up getting what he wanted, I think. But uh, anyway, but <laughs> there's there's it's all sorts different. of interesting stuff in that, and it's started today as we record this. I don't know how long the auction's going to last, but it's going to yeah. last for a bit here later yeah. in the month. Sorry, David, what did you want to tag on yeah, to? Yeah, no, it's something I, I meant to mention earlier on when we were talking about the new cover designs, but uh, we went off on uh, <laughs> some other kind of tangent. But um, what, one of the things that I found uh, quite interesting about it is that the three covers were designed uh, by the same artist, but they're, they're, they're very, very different in, in design. And uh, I, I think I mentioned this to to you the other day on on WhatsApp, but the the when I was looking at the authorized biography, and this is mm. this is real nitpicking, but uh, but I, I think it's kind of a bit irritating if if you look at the cover, and the first thing that I I immediately spotted is that the gun on the cover is not a Walther PPK, it is no, a Walther PP, which is do you know where that photo comes from? Uh, I don't. The Wikipedia page for Walter. Oh, is it? Mm. Well, in, in in Octopussy, didn't Roger Moore shoot a PP instead of a PPK? PP like when he, or something. It was like a PP five, I think it PP5. was. When, when um, he shot the uh, Russian soldier in the yeah, right between the right eyes. between the eyes, <laughs> it was it wasn't a PPK. Roger's a slapstick Bond, right? He never does anything well, serious. And also in Goldfinger, when he's trying to sh- uh, shoot at the Koreans t- so that uh, Tilly could get away, yeah. he's firing a P thirty eight instead of a right. PPK. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, somebody, yeah, somebody on Twitter pointed out that they need to change the watch because they use Daniel Craig's sunglasses on that book cover. <laughs> that's like continuation hell. Uh, sorry, con- continuity hell on that. Yeah. Cover. Well, because yeah. It, yeah. the other thing was the watch. It's, uh, it's I, yeah. I think it's a Rolex Explorer Two, which came out in nineteen seventy one. Right. Well, and, maybe that was just the Creative Commons version of Rolex. Ah, oh, yeah. And it's like, come on. And this, <laughs> this stuff they should have got right. And there's a person who won't be named that liked doing photo still life things mm-hmm. for Bond, whose probably head exploded when that cover came mm-hmm. out because um, of the continuity errors on it. But again, it's like <laughs> to, to quote somebody absent on this podcast, just draw something. 
Like, I don't know why, <laughs> like, there's this penchant now for doing still life and, and all this other stuff when it's not, it's anachronistic. It's like, just, just draw something rather than licensing stock art photos. Yeah, good point. Good point. Make it a, ge- a generic gun instead of a yeah. specific model. For, for officially nothing happening, there's a lot going on. <laughs> well, and we managed to talk an awful lot considering there's nothing going on. Right. And there's also the Roger Moore's estate selling his slippers and uh, everything else that he owned um, coming up as well at Sotheby's. Oh, I missed that. Um, yeah, I yeah, missed that too. Yeah. It's, it, um, it, it's a somewhat, I, I, I don't know if it's too strong to say bad taste, but it's a lot of personal effects, like his awards and things from from UNICEF and things. It's like, why? It's an estate sale. Yeah, and, um, I, I'm not entirely comfortable with. No, I feel I feel sad. There's a, an American TV star uh, earlier this year had an estate sale. He he passed away in 2017, I think. And it's like a uh, state sale just kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies <laughs> that's reading about it. As a um, family, wouldn't you want to keep some of these things? They're very yeah, personal you'd, items. you'd think so. I mean, you'd, you'd think so, but... Uh. Oh, the thing we haven't mentioned is Morris Binder's estate, <laughs> whilst we're talking about selling off the family jewels. Um, his original story, some of his original storyboards and artwork for the Bond series came up at auction last month and sold for insane amounts of money. Oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't know anything about this. Over a million pounds uh. for the lots. And every single lot, except for a copy of the script lot and some per- like memorabilia items, basically any lot that had original artwork in it, yeah. was all, all bought by the same bidder. Oh, yeah. I'll just mm. leave that out there as to who you think that might have been, um, including like tranches of nude photography from the pre-title sequence and um, sequences and all sorts of goodies that I've never seen the light of day um, and maybe won't ever again <laughs> because the same person bought everything. Okay. Oh, and the other news is bon, one of the screen-used um, Aston Martins from The Living Daylights went up for sale last week and the auction happened. The price is not, <laughs> The price for every single lot in that RM auctions was announced except for the Bond car. So we've made inquiries with the auction house to find out how much it's sold for, but they have not responded. Well, I've got one more. Th- I've got one more thing. It's more along the lines of trivia than anything else. So, um, forty years ago this year, um, Starlog magazine here in the U.S. had an yes. interview with Richard Maybaum, and the writer of that uh, interview was named Lee Goldberg. Yes, and he was Still about. He ended up going into uh, uh, the TV business as a writer producer, and in '88, he's walking the picket lines with Maybaum, and I'm basing this totally on I think it was a response. It wasn't a tweet. It wasn't a tweet he put out. It was a response to another tweet. Anyway, he said in '88 he's work. He was walking the picket lines with Maybaum, and that Maybaum was like grousing about Michael G. Wilson. Uh, he's not much of a writer. And, but he was like, Maybaum was like really mad at Michael G. Wilson for continuing to write License to Kill after the, after the writer's kill strike. And it's like, well, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting this. It was like almost like TMI, you know, too much information. But like, right. ooh, that's interesting. Um, again, totally trivia, like not any more significant than that. But like if you no. put it out on, uh, on Twitter or X, you know, yeah. like, you know it's, it's – you know, it's open for anyone to read it. So Lee is a friend of this parish, and we actually he kindly gave us permission to reprint his um, set visit diary to uh, View to Kill a few years ago, mm. which is a treat to read. Um, mm-hmm. Dig it up on mi6hq.com and check it out. And he's active on Twitter still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, what do we expect next? Because this week's been a, a random bunch of news. Um, I don't think we're going to see any official film news, but I don't know what else could be coming down the pipe other than mm. um, Bill, as you said earlier, maybe some obituaries, which is a sad state of affairs <laughs> that we're in now because everybody's getting old and nobody's getting yeah. any younger. Yeah, I hate but, to put it that way, um, but it's true. And uh, I, I, I'm not going to speculate on who's going to go <laughs> when, but, uh, but the demographics kind of... Uh, yes. Yeah. 
dictate. Yeah. Um, you know what? I in terms of significant bond twenty six, I you know, first of all, one, I think the the current strikes have to end the the yes. uh, writers guild and the and the actors, and then uh, you know maybe if they pick um, a director, then things will start to flow. Here's but here's my thoughts about the future of the Bond franchise. One, does Dan Jack Eon have a succession plan? Two, if so, what is it? The conventional fan wisdom is, well, Michael G. Wilson will step back and Greg Wilson will step up and maybe that'll happen. But, and this is just true about business in general, going to a third generation can Mm -hmm. be hard. Mm -hmm. And we're at that tipping point with Dan Jack Eon. Doesn't mean it can't happen. but, uh, But, it is very difficult. So, and the thing is, if something really drastic happens, we won't, we probably won't have an inkling until just before it happens. If, if that, right. Um, because I worked for a family controlled company and then in 2000, the, the family said, well, we'll never sell. And then 2000, well, now we're going to sell and, <laughs> and just boom, it happens like that. Right. I'm not, I'm not predicting anything, but I'm just saying that's something to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah. Yes, as privately held companies, there's very little information we can find out about them until it does happen. Right? Yeah. And, and the other thing to mention, Bill, as you say about the strikes, is the strikes finish whenever they actually finish with the SAG and everything else goes down. Always, the studio is g- going to be, they're going to have such an inbox of things to sort out that what are we doing with Bond 26 is somewhere down the pile. It's, it's right. not going to be sitting on the top for yeah, quite exactly. a while. And, and, and the other unknown we don't know is how is Dan Jack Eon's relationship with Amazon? I don't know. It's, 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 that's another great unknown. Well, and again, those people are going to be very busy as soon as the strikes finish. Right. So, and sorting out their pipeline of content. Right. You know? Yeah. Things further up the inbox. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, for um, if Bond 26 is to come out in 2025 uh i think we need to have a director uh in play i i i i was gonna say uh by by the end of march next year Uh, otherwise it's not happening but uh yeah preferably before the end of this year yes well i mean the you know all the previous directors they worked for several months before they were announced yeah right yeah um so Right. Yeah. Really, I'm talking about director director announcement. Right. uh, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We need to. Sam Sam Mendes went on some trip with Barbara Broccoli to India when they were considering that for the pre title Mm -hmm. sequence, and it ended up being yeah for Skyfall. And um, I mean, trip to India is (laughs) that's not something you do on a you know on a whim. You know so. That took a you know that whole consideration of India before ultimately going in another direction probably took a few months. Yeah, so maybe we'll get kind of hints of what's not happening. But there's been no hints of anything happening, right? That's no, the, no, no. The main takeaway is there's no like smoke coming out the Vatican or anything. Yeah, yeah no, right? it's just like oh, the bookies say this. Yeah, well. The, 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 the bookies are not making the decision. You know, there, there, there's no hint of smoke coming out of, you know, the, the smokestack of the Vatican. There's not even a hint that the uh, the furnace is even heated. Well, there's nobody in the building. But um, yeah. the surefire way to know that a decision has been made is when the bookies stop taking your money. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they yeah, don't want to lose. Right? Okay. No. So we, we need somebody in the UK to try and place a bet every every week. <laughs> well, and again, the thing about bookies, bookies change odds to generate bets. That's mm-hmm. what that's what they do. That's how they make their living. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think they have that much inside knowledge of any. All right, gents. Well, um, it's funny how you, know, you wait for a bus for ages and then three come along at once. And it seems like that's been announcements this week in the Bond mm-hmm. franchise. And we may be in for a long slug before we get any more. But uh, I'm sure we'll find something to do in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll speak to you both in about this time next year, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully sooner. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We've got some old scripts still to go through, haven't we? Um, 
Yes. Some yes. other un- un- unmade Bond movies. Yep, bits okay. of them. Bits yeah, of them anyway. I'm up for that. So. Yeah. All right, gents. Pleasure as always. And uh, we'll catch you again next time. Yeah. Great talking to you. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Thanks for the invite. Thank you.